0: You look in the book of Acts and it says this, it says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who oppressed of the devil. Not some, not a few, but all who were oppressed of the devil. I want to preach the gospel to you today. The gospel is good news, it's good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus who came, he was fully man and yet he was fully God. He was born of the Virgin Mary. I think we all know that story, don't we? And uh, he grew up as a carpenter. He lived a perfect faultless life. And he was baptised in water. And he was baptised in the Holy Spirit. And he went off in the power of the, power, power of the Spirit to preach. And he went into the tabernacle on the first Sunday and he preached his first word. And do you know what they did? They tried to push him over the edge of a cliff. Now I'm preaching today. (laughs) (laughs) Stud Hill would be my place of choice because I love it there. But that's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. If it's just a soft, weak gospel, then it doesn't have an impact. But when we declare the truth of Jesus, it's going to have an impact. And there is going to be a reaction. And uh, if Julia and I could testify to anything, it's in the last 24 hours, it gets contested. Okay? Okay? So if you're not being contested, find out whether you're pressing into Jesus enough. That's one for another day. We're going to talk about this Jesus today because Jesus is the same yesterday. Not no not, not today, just yesterday and next year, yesterday and and forever, but not today because it's wet. We want to get home see the Grand Prix, so he's not going to heal today. Oh, and today? Oh, he is the same today, right? So does that mean Jesus can heal today, deliver today, set people free from depression and anxiety and worry? Scary, isn't it? It's scary. Not because of me, not because of Steve or John, because of Jesus, because he takes weak vessels to share truth. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at this Jesus. I read a fantastic verse last night. It's not on the overhead. It's Psalm 68 verse 20. Just Pop this in your notes. Our God is a God who saves. He is the sovereign Lord who gives escape from death. If you're facing death, you're facing emptiness, you don't know who this Jesus is, God has made a way. He has made a way of escape. Hallelujah, as we often say. They tried to push Jesus over a cliff, so what did he do? He went out, he started healing people, he started delivering people from demons. Scary, isn't it? And it said, the ordinary people heard him gladly. Ordinary people, this morning, we can hear him gladly. We're going to start by looking really at two encounters with Jesus. Two very similar stories, one at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and one at the end of Jesus' ministry. The first one is in Luke chapter 5. And the reason we're looking at this is there were a couple of prophetic words around these scriptures about five or six weeks ago and I felt very stirred about it shared it with Stephen we felt it was worth unpacking on a Sunday morning so we're looking at Luke chapter five verse one through to roughly 11 and uh, if you the sort of person that goes home and reads the scriptures when you get home read the few verses before because it's pretty stunning what Jesus was getting up to so verse one verse five chapter five verse 1 says this one day as jesus was standing by the lake of gennesaret that's lake galilee with a crowd of people uh, sorry with the people crowding round him and listening to the word of god he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets he got into one of the boats one which belonged to simon that's simon peter and he asked him to put out a little from the shore Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "'Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch.' Simon Peter answered, "'Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. "'But because you say so, I will let down nets.' When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break." So they signaled to their business partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's business partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. This is just such a wonderful story. Notice how practical Jesus is. Did you see what he did? The crowds were pressing in, and he wanted people to be able to hear him. So what did he do? He got in a boat... And they went a little way from the land. I, I, Julie and I, we do an awful lot of walking by the sea. And there can be times when you're, you're walking by the sea and you can hear voices. And you look all the way there, not a dog walker that way. Look all the way down, not a dog walker that way. And you see a boat about a mile out. You can hear what they're saying. <laughs> so don't gossip about people in the church when you're fishing. <laughs> just just a little word of knowledge there. <laughs> but Jesus cared about the acoustics. Hallelujah. <laughs> he cared he, he was just practical he knew when he got into the boat that Peter had had a lousy night he knew that Peter had had a, a useless night and yet Jesus did not get in the boat and say hey Peter look I know you've had a bit of a tough night you haven't caught anything just going to do a little preach little word and then see if we can sort you out no he didn't he preached the kingdom he preached the gospel and he preached the truth we're in a world at the moment, we are confronted, where every, all of us have got so many problems, haven't we? We've all got so many issues, so many worries, so many anxieties. And as Christians, we can quickly get drawn into, well, how can we help you with this problem? How can we help you with this issue? But what did Jesus do? He preached the kingdom. He preached the good news of the gospel. You know, when you're down, oh, <laughs> preach over troubled water, when you're down and out, And feel low, you know. Get to the truth of the Bible. Am I the only one that walks down the seafront just saying psalms all the way back, all the way? Feel nothing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Just speak the word to yourself. Build yourself up, it says, in the most holy faith. Jesus didn't pander to Peter's need, he preached the truth. And this morning, with all the love in the world as someone that isn't very pastoral, hear the word of the Lord, because Peter was very consumed with himself and his need rather than the truth of the gospel at this point. But what happens then? Jesus is a carpenter and Simon is a fisherman. So the carpenter says to the fisherman, Let's go out, let's go fishing. So Jesus' word had clearly had an impact on Peter. He didn't say, well, oh, you're, you're a carpenter, you can't tell me how to fish. He just said, well, at your word, there's something about you. Perhaps I'll, perhaps I'll give it a go. Perhaps I'll do that. See, Peter was a hardened businessman. He worked, in a busy, he, bus- he worked in a difficult industry. He was a tough guy. And did you know that God loves people who work in business? He loves the lost he loves the needy, he loves the hurting, he also loves the successful, he also loves those of you who go work hard every week, care for your kids, he loves you too, it's a gospel for everybody, it's good news. He says, he didn't just say to Peter, let's go fishing, he said, launch out, let's go out into the deep water. Peter, it's time to go beyond your comfort zone, you got it wrong last night, you failed, you didn't catch any fish last night, but will you take me at my word? Will you go deeper with me? Peter acted. The circumstances were pointless. What's the point? But he still, he still did it. He still launched out. And I still believe that Jesus says that to us today. You know, you reached out maybe once praying for the sick. Maybe you reached out, maybe you thought about joining a church once. And you, oh. But Jesus today, maybe he's saying to you, launch out again. It's time not only to go a little bit, but to go out Into the deep exciting yeah terrifying yeah oh dear but look at verse 6 when they had done so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break you see when Jesus directs us things start to happen anyone give that testimony to that Jesus directed me yeah and things started to happen Verse 7, it tells us the boats started to sink. These boats were designed to float, and yet they were sinking. They had to signal for another boat to come. Boats designed to float were sinking because of the enormous weight of fish. This wasn't just a lucky catch, this was a supernatural intervention of God. Oh Lord, how we long for a supernatural intervention as we drop leaflets through the doors as we meet mums at the door, as we chat to folk in Morrisons, as your cleaner maybe comes around each day to clean your house. Lord, we long for a supernatural breakout of the power of God to change lives. <laughs> Have you ever thought about Peter? We've all thought about Peter a lot. There he is, boats filling up, the other boats filling up, it's sinking, fish flashing everywhere. He just falls to his knee, knees and goes, "Oh God, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me." Who's the centre of attention at that point? It begins with P. Who's the centre of attention at that point? Peter. Who should be the centre of attention? Jesus. Depart from me. See what Jesus does in verse ten he says, don't be afraid. He said, from now on, you'll catch men. You see, Jesus, and if you, go, if you take notes, there's only one thing you underline today. Make it this, okay? Jesus did not pander to Peter's emotional character weakness. He spoke destiny to him, and when we come to God, say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling in my mind. I think everybody hates me. I've got this health issue. I argue with my daughter. Whatever it is, Jesus wants to speak destiny to you because you have a life, you have a hope and a purpose in Jesus. Yes, there's stuff that got to be worked out. I appreciate that. But Jesus speaks destiny. We have a destiny. We have a calling. God has got a calling for every one of us. He's got a calling for many who live here on Green Hill. Some to even come and lead this church in years to come and to go to the ends of the world. Amen. I, I believe it. I really believe it. Jesus speaks destiny to you this morning. Whatever your... You tell me all your restrictions. I'll give you a list of my restrictions. But he speaks destiny to us. Destiny. We have a destiny. And it's all based around Jesus. Do you see what Jesus did with Peter? He's now got this broken man. <laughs> this wasted man on his knees with fish slapping around his face. The first thing Jesus says to him is what? He says... Do not be afraid. Julian and I were part of a church 35 <coughs> years ago. And <laughs> at the beginning of the service, because of the design of the church, um, they, they had the doors at the side. and What they used to do was pull curtains across. <laughs> You'll appreciate this one. And I felt so trapped. And I felt so scared. Because, as well as being claustrophobic, it was just this sense God's here and I felt frightened and that's not what Jesus says to you today. He says, do not be afraid. This guy spouting about destiny and waving his arms about, don't be afraid because he loves you. Jesus is your friend. He wants to be your friend and your saviour. He wants to give you destiny, not frog march you out as an army, as a soldier. He wants to work with you, work through you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus says to you today, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then he says to him, you've got a job to do. Because I'm the sort of person that stays in the do not be afraid. Oh, thank you, Lord, for comforting me and loving me and now I feel all safe and you're meeting all my needs. He says, and I've got a job for you. So my friend, don't be afraid, but also Jesus has got a job for you. Verse 11. They pulled the boats to shore, left everything, and, hang on, left everything? it's stupid, isn't it? (laughs) Hang on a minute. They've just had the greatest business success ever. And they leave everything and follow Jesus. Why? Because the success came from God. The issue wasn't the fish. The issue was Peter having a significant encounter with Jesus. And realising that Jesus was so much bigger than his everyday circumstances. This is our God. This is our Jesus. He is so much bigger. And as we see things happen here, as we see people getting healed, as we see people getting saved, as we get excited by what goes on, there is only one focus for us to have. And as we come back and we go, Jesus, thank you for this growth. Thank you for this increase. I got stirred as I saw the guys at the front this morning thinking, how long till we are sending someone from here somewhere else? I know that's on a lot of our hearts. But we, don't get ex- we get excited about that, yes, but also it's all about Jesus. What is the next thing that he has for us? They left something that was good. You'll often hear me up the front here saying, well, you need to leave all the bad stuff, you mustn't... Um, Do bad things and be horrible and sin. Naughty. You must leave those bad things behind. But also they left good things behind. Sometimes we need to lay aside what's good. Maybe God in the past has used you in a certain way. Maybe it's time to lay that aside. To move into the new things that God has got. I can say from experience that that is a challenge. Because it deals with your heart. Maybe... You've got skills that you should be using. Maybe there's things you've used in the past which you should lay aside now because God has got something new. Lay aside a fantastic catch of fish to go and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leopards and lead the new church is a pretty good exchange. But at the time, naturally, I would have taken the fish. Let's get down the market quick. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I've got good news. He loves you, he cares for you, he died for you, God raised him from the dead, he can equip you, fill you with his spirit, he can give you new hope, he can give you new new life. It's true, this is the Jesus that we follow. He loves the ordinary people, he loves the poor, he loves the hurting, he loves famous celebrities. This is our God. So today is the challenge the challenge is, to, is, is, to, is the same as the challenge was to Peter. How will you respond? Will you leave your old life behind, even the good stuff, and ask Jesus to become the Lord and Master, your brother, your friend, the leader of your life? We can help you and show you how. But we've all got a big L plate on our back as well. We're all learning. It'll cost you everything. Just the little caveat there. Cost you everything. Cost you everything, Steve, isn't it? Cost you everything. But it's worth it. <laughs> Today Jesus offers freedom, healing, hope for the future, destiny. And as Steve pointed out the other day, and I can't get away from it, that scripture in Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not for harm, plans to give you a hope and a future. Look at the context. Three or four verses be- before, pray for the welfare of the city where I have put you into exile. For in their welfare will be your welfare. Let's pray for Hearn Bay. Let's pray for, for, for Greenhill, the folk, not the place, the people, because Jesus loves people. Let's pray for their welfare. For in that will be our welfare. Again, let's get the focus off Julian and all his needs, and let's start sowing out. And then God will meet our needs as they come. Do you believe that God is going to raise up future leaders of of Beacon on Green Hill Estate? People who are out there this morning playing on their Game Boy or just taking their kids out the garden centre? I do. Jesus is going to meet with people, he's going to confront them with with his love and with his compassion and we're going to see men and women raised up in this area. I think it's very exciting that God would trust us to just have a small part in that. So, Jesus' ministry, you want to turn now to John chapter 21. That's uh, the next chapter on. So, here's the background Jesus has had an amazing ministry. He's raised people from the dead, He's healed the brokenhearted, He's sat with the broken, He's given time to those that society had excluded, He's spoken to high up religious leaders. This Jesus, he's healed so many people. But what happens? Despite this amazing ministry, he's falsely accused. He's wrongly sentenced to death. And he suffers and dies on a cross. And he pours out his blood, a bit old-fashioned, but it's real. He poured out, his, as Steve was saying during the communion, he gave everything. He poured out his very life. Why? to be the substitute, to be in our place. He took it on him so that we could know the Father. And as I think many of us have been looking at recently, and that he would willingly bring us into the relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That perfect union, he didn't need us. But he said, I want you to come and join in all that joy, and all that fellowship, and all that blessing. I mean, it's just so fantastic. If you ever get a chance... Make yourself a nice cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Sit down with Ephesians or, or, or Colossians and just read it. It's just fantastic what Jesus has achieved. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, my friends. Joint heirs. We are seated in heavenly places. Woo-hoo. Exciting, isn't it? So Jesus is raised from the dead. He appears to his disciples. Oh boy. And it's all kicking off now. So let's have a look <coughs> at John 21. It says this. Jesus appeared to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the site, Sea of Galilee, back where we started. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the other two other disciples were together. Here it comes. I'm going out fishing, Simon Peter said. Um, they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing, Nought. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they replied. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard this, heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Then Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? for they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. So, so much had happened. So much had happened for Simon Peter in his relationship and in his walk with Jesus over the previous three and a half years. And as you probably know in the story, Jesus had uh, Peter Simon Peter had denied Jesus three times and uh, he was clearly full of grief full of regret and just full of a sense of failure and what do you do when you feel like that when you're full of regret when you're full of a sense of failure well I'll tell you what I do I return to my place of security I go back to where I feel safe I pull back I draw back there's no easy way of saying this but it happens in the church you know you go to a church you get hurt you get confronted you disagree you get disciplined you're disappointed it fills you with grief it fills you with regret you think I'm going to return to my point of security I'm not going there anymore they hurt me I thought God was a God of love they hurt me we withdraw to your point Of security. Peter goes fishing. What does he catch? Team A. Nothing. (laughs) He can't even do what he's good at even more now. You notice that? Can't even fish now. Before he could fish, now he can't even fish. Have you, as I was looking at this, I just felt as if God was disarming Peter. It's a weird word because it's not great with English, but I felt for some of us that God is allowing circumstances to disarm us, to take us out of where we're kind of comfortable, because He wants to get our attention, He wants us to focus back on Him. He can disarm us through love. Peter went out. He couldn't fish. And not only could he not catch any fish, he couldn't catch any fish in front of all the other disciples as well. So he not only failed at what he could do, but he'd failed in front of everybody. With every head bowed and every eye closed, anyone ever been there? <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. Not good, not good. You see, when we move out in our experience, rather than moving out The way Jesus leads us, it's doomed to failure. It would look good, but it won't work. Steve and I decided to start up a little Christian music band and go around the pubs and clubs and spend hours and hours in pubs and clubs telling people about Jesus. It would be great. Musically, it would sound nice. Well, the guitar would anyway. It would be great. But nothing would happen because Jesus isn't calling us to do that at the minute. He has called people. So it wouldn't work, even though it would sound good and look good. That's why we need to be led by the Spirit of God. If not, we can quickly do things because they look right, but there's no, Jesus isn't behind them. That's why I'm so thrilled to be in a church where we have guys who are seeking to lead us the way that Jesus is calling us to be led. Sounds quite an arrogant thing to say, but it's good, it's precious, it's simple. That's why I get it, I think. It's simple. But what does Jesus do? He calls them, he says, friends. He doesn't shout, oi, failures, or oi, he shouts friends. What does Jesus say to you this morning? He says, friend, friend. Yeah, but Lord, I blew it. I know, but you're a friend. I did this wrong. You're a friend. Jesus always wants to draw people back. But of course, they didn't recognize him, did he? Peter is now in such a state He's now accepting advice from strangers. So there's a stranger on the shore. (laughs) Akabilk. And the stranger, gosh, your net on the other side. And Peter is in such a state. Oh, well, I may as well then. Just chucks it. How he has changed, you know. Be led by the spirit. (laughs) But once the net started to fill, they started to twig. And it was John who said, "It's the Lord." And it ties in so well with the prophecy David gave earlier is that, that when you have intimacy with someone, you recognize them. It wasn't Peter that recognized it was the Lord, it was John. The Bible tells us that, that John was very close to Jesus, that when they, when they reclined, which is what they did in those days at the Lord's Supper, it was John who was the closest to Jesus. He spent time with Jesus. It's an easy preacher's tool, but he was close to Jesus, so he recognised him. And if we're close to Jesus, we'll recognise him. It's not about, I must get up at five o'clock tomorrow morning and read my Bible for four hours. No, but reading it does help. Oh, I've got to pray. No, you haven't got to pray, but praying helps. But it's talking to your friend, not to your Lord and Master who's going to tell you off if you get it wrong. Might come back to that. So, John says it's Jesus. Friends, let's just spend more time with Jesus. What did we hear throughout the worship this morning? It's just telling Jesus we love him. What did David say? Let's just declare his name. Let's declare he's mighty. Let's declare he's good. We were chatting earlier this week, weren't we, about Smith Wigglesworth and how. They would talk for about 10, 15 minutes. He said, that's enough. Let's read the word. It could be a bit intense and maybe that was something for those days. But it's good to see what the Bible says. Let's get together, have meals together, enjoy one another's company, go for walks. But occasionally, let's just see what the Bible says. (laughs) He recognized Jesus because he had spent time with him. What does Peter do? he just jumps in, he has got to get to Jesus, (laughs) he has got to get to Jesus and I tell you we have got to get to Jesus, we have got to get to him, just dive in and get to Jesus but do you notice they get to the beach, the boat gets there and Peter dripping wet pulls the net in and everything because I believe he's still trying to prove to Jesus that he can do something, that he can contribute something to the party but he can't others have to come and help him pull in the catch and as we are here in green hill and we want to see people get saved we do that together we do that together we need one another we can't leave it all to one or two people or the one passionate person together we need to be serving people together unity it's so so important The church, as I've said before, it's not about individuals. Yes, Jesus did die for you. He loves you as an individual. He chose you before time began. True, but He chose us that we might be a body together. If you, if the following words ever pass your lips, go back to Jesus. Well, it's just about me and Jesus. Don't go to church because I don't like them. Or no, I got upset. I'm not going back there. It's just me and Jesus. I have my little words. I've got my God TV. No, 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 no. We need to be part of the body. I can tell you that now from experience, not just because I believe it. Years and years I've seen many people who just say, well, it's me and Jesus because they got hurt and they will die out for lack of the word. They will die out emotionally, spiritually. I better not go there. Please be part of the body. If this is not what God has put you, then bless you. Let us help you find a body with our friends and other churches in this in this town where God has put you. Bless you. That's fine. But please do not just go. So, what provision? What an amazing miracle Jesus performed. Absolutely fantastic. But you notice something? They came to the beach, and what was there? Shout it out, Team B. Fire, bread, fish. Where did Jesus get his fish from? Do you imagine yourself Hey hop hey hop hey. <laughs> Ever thought about that? Where did Jesus get his fish from? Do you notice something? Jesus didn't need their fish. He'd already provided it. I you know, I get anxious and think, Well Lord, you know, we're gonna grow and will we have enough stewards and will we have enough this and oh you know but you know, God provides. He is a God of incredible abundance. I was reading yesterday. one of the things he is very abundant in is joy. <laughs> was, that, was that thing at his right hand, or pleasures for everything? Or pleasures forevermore? Oh, there's a lot of joy in the kingdom. God has a lot of resources, and He provided the fish. He provided the bread. Do you think as they took that bread? Like us this morning they thought, oh, this this rings a bell. Didn't we break bread with him recently? Didn't he talk about giving his body? As Steve said, sort of what? Body and blood? Strange, especially to Jewish culture. Jesus was just saying bread, covenant, commitment. He doesn't need their fish, but what does he do? He said, Bring some of your fish. Isn't God kind? Isn't he generous? Isn't he gracious? Bring some of your fish. And then in verse 12, what does Jesus do? He just says, come and have breakfast. He doesn't say, you got it wrong and I'm so disappointed and you didn't see it. He just says, come and have breakfast. He just shows his love and his grace. So where do we end? As I say, we end with them breaking bread. It's just a, a sign of the covenant. Because God has made a covenant with us. He's a covenant-keeping God. The focus there, I believe, was on the cross, the covenant, and now family. Because they ate together. It not just Peter and Jesus having a meal. They ate together. As we go on, verses 15 to 23, we see that Jesus restores Peter. And uh, he restores his relationship. And Peter goes on to preach the first gospel message after Jesus had ascended To heaven and yet in the series in Galatians that we're doing we can see that Peter is still a work in progress despite the anointing despite the power going through his life there's still character issues in his life do you know what God is going to sort us out as we go you know I look at that issue in my life this issue in my life I beat myself up about this or that but God is gonna sort us out as we go So let's just go because Jesus said go and make disciples not go and get pasted for 30 years and then if you feel right have a bit of anointing. No let's just go and with Jesus with us he will help us and help us sort things out as we go along and even at the end I think it's in 2 Peter where Peter says these words he said look at the word of God and dear Paul he writes these letters bit hard to understand but it's the word even at the very end Peter was still dealing with his character but he recognized that there were others who had giftings and abilities to bring to the party so just really in closing I just wonder whether you once followed Jesus and it all went a bit wrong hurt by the church you got hurt in relationships maybe you got into a relationship which you regret that you did made a bad decision who hasn't made bad decisions in their time and I can't give you any clever counsel all I can say is come to Jesus come to Jesus because he knows the end from the beginning he's the one who forgives people when they come to him and say Lord I'm sorry I kind of messed up and not only, does he, not only does he forgive, but he gives the power to change. We have Holy Spirit, third person of God, totally God, who can fill us, who can equip us, who can set us free. God wants to put you back into his church family. As I say at Beacon, we're not perfect. My goodness, we're not perfect. <laughs> only look to the front to see that. But we're a work in progress, just asking Jesus. To hone us as we go along. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for many years. Fantastic. Hear what Graham Hall said two weeks ago. We are friends of God. Not servants. Yes we serve. But we serve from our friendship. In a relationship you serve out of your friendship. Not because you have to. Maybe you're in your security zone. Today Jesus is saying launch out, push out, go further than when you last went when it didn't work because Jesus is calling you and I felt very strongly as I've been preparing this that the Lord wants to encourage us to press into the spiritual gifts, to speak in tongues Was it Moses Moses who said, oh, that all God's people were prophets. To see us prophesying in this church, to see an outbreak of the prophetic in this church, not just leaving it to David and others, but an outbreak of the prophetic because Jesus fills us, because we spend time in his presence, time in his word. Outbreak in the miraculous, gifts of healing. We need gifts of administration in this church. Who is it here? who is God going to draw in don't discount yourself because you have a destiny maybe Jesus is saying cast your net on the other side well I've tongues I've never really I don't quite I know it's important but I just don't I don't get it and it's a bit embarrassing really and I'm not sure maybe Jesus is saying tongues (laughs) because you build yourself up in your most holy faith And also, it means that I don't understand what I'm saying, which is most of the time anyway, (laughs) I have to hasten to add. But God knows what we're saying. Jesus has a purpose and he has a destiny for us. And I believe he's saying to us launch out into the deep. Let me just finally finish with with verse 68 and then I'll hand over to John because we want to have an opportunity for pray, to pray for folk. Psalm 68 verse 9, it says, notice the rain, it said, You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. You weary? <laughs> your people settled in it and from your bounty you provided from the poor. I saw that last night it's just astounding. Refreshment coming from the river of God, the deep wells of God, where there is no, no exhausting of the river and life and spirit of God. He refreshes the weary, let us settle in a place of God's bounty, and from that position, not guilt, but from a position of God equipping us, he will provide for the poor. Hallelujah. Amen.